This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we take a look at the new and improved On Command Unified Manager version 7.2. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and on the phone with me today is the uh, awesome Glenn Sizemore. I was going to say accountable because I'm present. And accountable. accountable. I, I, well, you're present in, in digital form. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, though. We'll, we'll pixelate you some other time. Hey, man, uh, I'm more present than Andrew. You are more present than Andrew. Andrew's currently on the road taking his beard show on the road, the container show. I guess dog and container show maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah. It's I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming out of uh, out of DocCom for sure. I can't yep. wait till Sully gets back so we can pick his brain. That's right. We uh, we actually had a preview last week with Sully. We talked about DockerCon and the Docker volume plugin and all that goodness. But this week we are going to be talking about On Command Unified Manager, which has a new release coming out very shortly. And to do that, we brought in Philip Bachman and Yossi Wise. Is that, did I say that right, Yossi? Yes, you did. Thank you. Oh, good, good. All right, so let's start with you, Yossi. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do here at NetApp, and if we want to reach you on social media or email, give us that information. Sure. So uh, I'm in product management in our data fabric manageability group, and I have un- on-command unified manager and performance manager as a product, and I usually can be easily found on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you look for my name, and you, especially the last name, the way it's spelled, W-E-I-H-S, you'll certainly find me. All right. And, Philip, tell us about yourself. So I am a solutions architect, part of the America's Solution Architects team. Uh, I carry a specialty, basically, for management software and for Metro Cluster. So Unified Manager is something I've been living with for a long time now. You can reach me on social media. I think also the best way to get to me would be through LinkedIn as well. You can look my name up as well, Philip Bachman, B-A-C-H-M-A-N on LinkedIn. We're going to talk about Unified Manager today, and it's kind of funny because for years now, Unified Manager has been anything but unified. We've had to separate the performance side and the capacity and you know alerting side, and they've been two separate instances uh, recently, we were able to combine them into a single pane of glass, but you still had to run two separate OVAs, right? You still had to spin up two different machines. So let's talk about on-command uh, Unified Manager 7.2 and the feature that I have heard of most and that I am excited about, the the actual real-life unification of Unified Manager. So let's talk to uh, Philip about that. So this is – I can't tell you how huge this is because probably the single – question I get asked most often by customers is, why do I have to install two different things? And so we've, we've fixed that. There is one server, and it has all the data in it. And oh, by the way, a side benefit is it has been dramatically improved performance-wise. So as you're moving around through the UI, you get a feel that you're just dealing with something that's much more modern, much more seamless, and much more all together. So tell us a little bit about those performance improvements. What did we do to make that uh, a little more peppy? 
Well, number one, we're dealing with a single server. We're dealing with a single database server. We're not having to have, you know, the unified manager server, which in past had had to talk to the performance manager server to get information. Um, now everything's in one place, and in the UI is also running on a single server. So you've you've taken some of the latencies out of the two talking to each other and just made it much more friendly and, and usable. And I, I've shown it to a couple of customers already as part of uh, NDA, and uh, they're, they're very pleased with the improvements in the performance. Have we changed any of the uh, actual uh, interfaces in terms of how we're writing the code? I mean, we've gone from like something like Java to HTML5 or something along those lines? <clears throat> Uh, we're we're in bringing it together. There were there were actually as they were two products. They were developed on two slightly different uh, platforms. Those are being merged together right now. It's it's not a hundred percent complete, but it's mostly complete, and the difference is huge. Uh, you'll also see that the interface has been um, streamlined a bit and cleaned up, and it looks a lot more like the rest of the NetApp product world in terms of where we've put menus and how you move through the UI and all. So there's, there's some overall improvements in just the functionality and the feel. And customers that I've shown it to are finding it much easier to move around and find things. Yeah, you know, that when we look at some of the changes that we did in here as part of merging this, we've actually retired hundreds of thousands of lines of code because we basically, as we merged the two appliances, we cherry-picked the best-of-breed code from each of them and sort of retired the rest. Um, so it's all, you know, the back office part is still Java, but on the front end, we're migrating pages from previous web technologies to HTML5. This will be an ongoing migration, but we've made a lot of progress in this release. And what about the database? I mean, I know previously with like Data Fabric Manager, which is, is basically its its grandfather, um, it was running on a Sybase database. Is, are we still using that, or are we using something else? So when we when we shipped the product initially, we're using a commercial version of MySQL. Um, we've since moved to the open source version, and you know now we've sort of merged everything into a single copy of the database. And I think the there is a lot of effort that went into tuning the database, tuning the tables, indices, everything else, so that we will run really efficiently. And what we found was that the two databases actually had a lot of duplicate information. So as we bring it together, we're gonna customers will also realize the disk space savings. Yeah, you can really feel the performance difference in it. Previously with Sybase, I mean I used to work in support and I used to deal with DFM issues and Sybase was always kind of the issue because it couldn't scale. Right, it wasn't meant for large enterprise environments in some cases. So with this database that you're using now, I imagine it scales better, especially now that we've merged the tables together and we have fewer tables to deal with. Could you, could you expound a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, so you want to take that one because I know that's one of your pet projects. Yes, yes. So what, so we, we've actually had, we brought in a number of experts from both outside the company as well as basically established a whole team for performance testing where we're constantly tuning and improving the product. And so what we've realized is that we've a we actually want to store the data in a way that's more efficient in the database, but also uh, sort of turned the whole software stack that feeds information into the database into almost like a streaming process. 
So as we collect information from the, from the clusters, um, we, are, we are fine-tuning the Zappi calls to batch, to batch up the information and get it in a clean format. The performance stats, we, we grab those from a files off the storage system, so there's really no Zappi calls happening there. And those get uh, processed and written to the database. But as we do that, we also run all of our analytics in parallel. So we're not going through a process which was actually very prevalent two or three years ago in the product where we would grab the data, stick it in the database, then two minutes later, pull it out for analytics, throw it away. Ten minutes later, pull it out for summarization, throw it away. All of that has been optimized, and what customers will, at the end of the day, will feel is that they need to put less resources against the product to get the same end result. And this optimization, is it also taking some pressure off of the uh, cluster itself? I know the MGWD process handles a lot of those, those Zappi calls. So are we sending these in parallel? Are we doing a little better efficiency with that? So that, that's, this has been an ongoing pain uh, for customers, or uh, let's face it this way, it's been a historical pain. There are a lot of customers that are still very concerned about this. And we've actually gotten to the point where we have removed uh, the limitation where we would not allow more than a single performance monitoring server to hit the cluster. So back with, with ONTAP 8.3, we introduced the, uh, a feature called the Performance Archiver in ONTAP, which allows ONTAP to basically collect, automatically collect all the performance counters and put them in a nice compact little file. And all we do is basically read that file off the cluster every few minutes to get all the performance counters we need. So it really has actually collecting performance metrics has become more efficient than collecting some of the configuration settings um, although even also with those, we've benchmarked those with ONTAP, the ONTAP team, and the ones that were taking a lot of time, we've sort of batched them and optimized them. So that we run really well over high latency web links. So we're basically at a place where a highly centralized unified manager can happily monitor a cluster on the other side of the planet, where a year or two ago, that wasn't really best of breed practice. And that's huge because, let's face it, our customers don't typically want to have to be dropping unified manager servers everywhere. So um, along with those performance improvements and the impact that they have in the environment as a whole, we've seen that we're able to scale the system better. And uh, that there have been some significant improvements there. We've, we've benchmarked it against larger populations of systems. And honestly, I think uh, that and the new scale monitor that's built, in, built into the system will drive forward a lot, of, uh, a lot of happiness in our customers because then they're not asking me, I have to stand up how many systems in order to monitor this environment? Um, we, you know, we won't be getting that kind of pushback, I don't think, any longer. So you, you touched on being able to access this from anywhere in the world with low latency. It, it kind of made me think, are we doing anything with mobile? So that, that, that's a great question. So, you know, on-command unified manager is an on-premise solution. Um, the, the web technologies that we're building it on with HTML5 use a concept called responsive design, where the web pages will sort of auto-size depending on the screen size. So if you choose to use a tablet or a mobile device, you know, the pages will look, will look right on them. Um, that being said, there's still a, 
uh, a hurdle here to jump in terms of getting a mobile device that's off the corporate network access to actually hitting, getting to the server. And that's an area where we are looking into covering with mobile apps and some other support offerings that will be also coming up soon. You know, can't share more details at this point. Okay, fair enough. So as far as the scaling goes, I mean, we, we've kind of touched on that in general terms. What kind of scale are we looking at now? I mean, how, how big can we go? Well, you know, we'll, we will publish, um, we're publishing a set of, of overall guidelines, but what we found in the testing of it is that we're able to handle significantly larger installations. One of the things that we've done to enable that is that we have we built into the product, and, and honestly, they weren't there before, are a set of scale monitors that will alert the user when they start to tax the server. So if they start to tax the CPUs or tax the memory footprint or tax the disk space, um, you know, it'll tell you that, and then you have the opportunity to grow more. So the scaling is going to be much more dynamic. It's not just going to be, here it is, it scales this big, and you're done. Um, the idea is that it should be able to handle growth of the customer. Is that a and fair statement, Yossi? It is, Bill. It is. And uh, that dynamism goes in, two, in both ways. So, you know, in the past, a lot of customers like to stand up another system in a lab, and they were complaining about having to put in all these reservations and all these, you know, invest in a, putting a lot of resources against that. And uh, with the scale monitor, you basically can give that lab VM very minimal resources since it might be only monitoring a, a one or two clusters, and it'll work just fine. And when in production with larger environments, basically it scales up and you – we. We've, we're testing it internally against a couple of very aggressive configurations where, you know, the scale is all usually driven by the number of configuration settings that you have created inside the storage system. So if you have a lot of quotas, a lot of QoS policies, you, you, you get my, what I mean. That, all of that needs to be monitored, and that drives the scale. Um, when we had previously set the limit at 48 nodes, which, you know, for typically for customers that's, you know, around 20 clusters, you know, that was with a very high count of those uh, settings. And what we've found is that uh, based on our telemetry that we get from a sizable chunk of our customers that share that with us, that most customers don't configure their systems as in as complicated a fashion. And that for the, most customers, uh, Unified Manager you know, doesn't require as many resources. Actually, what we estimate is that most customers, uh, and that's probably around 90% of customers that are running two services today, one for Unified Manager and one for Performance Manager, mm -hmm. will be basically be able to upgrade their Unified Manager to, to 7.2 and retire their Performance Manager server and just keep ha happily humming along, so basically saving 50% of the resources. I, I I have one crazy question that you're probably not going to answer for the podcast, but I'll ask it anyways. So the OPM <laughs> server used to have some direct risk APIs that weren't supported, but have been used by the field for years. Do you know if those were maintained? 
So I believe that, uh, so I'll actually attempt an answer here, right? Because uh, it is a podcast and we've got interested minds here. Um, so in, in merging the products, we actually ported over the uh, uh, server, uh, the OPM server. So I would believe that the majority of the APIs, if not all of them, should still be there. Uh, for example, what we have is we have a, a feed, uh, a real-time feed of performance metrics out to uh, using CollectD format that can go into Graphite or Grafana. That's still in play. Um, so really, the, the name of the game here is take nothing away. Um, does that help? Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, the fact that you guys even considered that as a target. You know, it's it's something that's easy to, to lose sight of, right? There, there, there's such a large ecosystem internally that's dependent upon the tool chain that, that it's relatively easy just to get kind of stuck and, and focus on those. So the fact that you were open to these these third parties and, and customer integrations, that's awesome. You know, we'll have to test it and see what breaks, if anything. But but uh, other than that, like th this entire direction, I, I assure you, the entire listener is just sitting there nodding their head going, heck, yeah, this is awesome. Right, because this has been what we've been asking for for a while uh, was to reduce that that overall footprint because it was a little a little onerous. It was kind of ridiculous how much resources we were demanding of a customer just to be able to to draw a performance graph for a storage controller to to get all of that right sized and repackaged into something that that more matches modern deployment patterns and practices. Of course, across the board. All right, so we talked about performance we talked about scaling we talked about unifying what else do we have for us that's new one of the dirty little secrets was that up through version 7.1 um, you only had two platforms of choice you could deploy performance manager on now with the unification all three of our supported platforms are available so you have the virtual appliance you have Red Hat Linux native installer and you have Microsoft Windows native installer, and that gives you full support for Unified Manager and Performance Manager on any of those three platforms. No Mac support? Uh, yes. Don't you, don't you oh, dare. That... No, there is no shade. No. Well, there is no shade way. right if you, now. If you've got a big enough Mac, um, run it in a VM. <laughs> if you've got a big enough Mac, run it in a VM. That's pretty much what we've go. all resorted to for most things when we deal with absolutely, Mac. absolutely. But that's okay. That's that's enough. You know, you've already got the Windows, you got the Linux, and you've got the the OVA. So that's that's going to be good enough for now, I think. Hey, I I'll tell you right now, anecdotally, uh, that that Windows support is huge. Like I'm I'm personally familiar with shops who have struggled with. Uh, they've had to go out and figure out like, okay, let's go buy some Red Hat support because we need this OPM box and it's mm -hmm. supported in Linux. So. You know, being able to, to circle back around and, and add that platform so pack in for, for our customer base, again, it's huge. You know, this is exactly what the field has been asking for. Well, and there's an interesting note on that. It, not surprisingly, perhaps, the majority of our installations to date have been based on the virtual appliance. And it's interesting because I've had a mix of large customers who will tell me, hey, you know, we're not allowed to run virtual appliances. Our security people don't do it. I've, either, I've had others who come back and say, I want everything in a virtual appliance because it's so easy. So, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to meet the diverse needs of all of these guys. And uh, I, think, I think having the three discrete platforms and having it available for the server, that I think is going to probably kill most of the objections that we've run into. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, Hyper V environments are the part the part where I run into issues with the mm -hmm. Yep. So along those lines, uh, th this is perhaps a future-looking thing, but and and feel free to punt if if you're not comfortable talking about it publicly. But uh, have you guys started to look at at containerizing this at all? Ooh, so, you knew that was you knew that was coming. <laughs> of course, <laughs> we, we we are. You know, we, we've got a whole bunch of super eager engineers just chomping at the bit to get this on a container. And honestly, we, we've got some experiments going in-house um, where sort of we, we're looking to get people to tell us, yes, we will run it on a container because obviously every additional distribution package is a cost to us. So we'll need to see that there's enough willingness to consume Oakum as a container, uh, we're very interested. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine that journey, you know, as you go out and, and, and gather requirements and find interested customers, you know, I would guess blindly that that, that would involve a little bit of a, a reimagining some of the architecture, you know, if, if, if you're going to lean into that, you know, the, the unification, getting everything under a single support umbrella, a single deployment umbrella, all of that is great. But, but if you circle back around to why organizations liked the OVA to begin with, right? It's, it's because it solved the complexity of deploying the appliance. You know, you just said, hey, look, I want to be able to monitor and manage on tap. Click, click, click. I can do that now, right? But, but, right. but it, the larger organizations who outgrow that OVA or perhaps want to, you know, put some better plumbing underneath it and make it a little more enterprise grade, um, they, they need that bare metal support. A container kind of appeals to both sides because you're solving the deployment complexity problem while still giving the organization the ability to do discrete scaling. So that's why Agreed. I asked. But but yeah, I imagine that's going to be a long journey. But the fact that you're even you know looking at it again, more exciting. It, it, it is a journey, and it and it is also an evolution. You, you know, I'll com maybe you commented earlier on security and. There's an area that, that has gone through a transformation and a lot of learning and customer feedback for us. Um, and that's around the security and patching of our third-party components that we use, such as the MySQL database. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned there is that a lot of customers want to really be in the driver's seat and control when and how patches get rolled out. And so as we've as we've released one release after another of Unified Manager on, on Linux, um, we've actually been slowly morphing the way we package it to the point where we are actually not shipping those third-party components anymore, and we have opened it up so that customers can basically patch these at their own time and leisure. And, you know, that, that removes a lot of the friction from the security process. Yeah, it's funny, you know, guys. Uh, we're we're sitting here like nerding out in like these 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 really deep details about like how you micromanage deployments and 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 how how exactly this bit of software is going to fit into a customer's larger data center ecosystem. But but the interesting thing is is like these are the, this is where these products live and die, and this is where they either succeed or fail because they live in a part of the stack that has zero tolerance for for like being special snowflakes, right? Or, or demanding that, that things work differently. And instead, it, it's, it lives in a world where you have to plug into whatever that organization's best practices are, whatever they believe uh, how these things should work. That's how you have to conform and you have to be able to survive in there. So, you know, it's, it's, 
it's one of those interesting spots. You know, the step one is just make sure the performance data is there. Make sure the alerts fire. And when I cr say create a volume, it better create it. You know, but but in a lot of ways, personally, I think that's the easy part. The hard part is then going through that growth period of deploying this thing in a couple thousand enterprises all over the size spectrum and learning all of the ways that your product doesn't work for them and going and fixing those challenges, right? It, it is. It definitely is. And, you, you know, we've been going through an evolution here because the industry has been evolving, right? So a lot of customers remember DFM4 and DFM5 or Unified Manager 5, and, you know, they would draw comparisons between them. But the reality is that what we did with Unified Manager 5, where we basically shipped a single Linux tarball with everything in it, that's just not cutting it today because customers really want to be in control and audit about of any, every, any and every piece of software that goes into their environment. Heck, we've had some corporate customers reach out to us and ask to run uh, black, black duck scans on all the third-party components and only use certain versions that are blessed by their, by their gods, if you will. I believe that. Yeah, it's become more and more of a, of a concern for us. Um, you know, the, and, and while we've had some pushback on the unbundling of the products and, you know, letting the customer control them, honestly, it's, it's made it a lot easier for those who have to satisfy the, the security folks. Um, you know, when they come around and finish their scans and they say, hey, you're running this old version that we haven't approved in a long time. You need to fix it. Yeah, as, as long as, as as long as we're able to afford the the options, right? Then I think uh, our our customers will just just be happy across the board. You know, I know that in in my own interactions, I often the OVA is the first stop for anything. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. They'll they'll install a temporary ESX license just to get the dang thing up and running so they can get their feet wet. It's it's mm -hmm. after you get past that that quick touch of what is this? How does it work? Do I actually want it? Then you get into the more like, okay, well, how are we going to deploy this? Where's it going to survive? What's it talk to? Oh, I can feed this into Grafana. That's awesome, right? And you just start to figure out all those integrations. We are tightly aligned with ONTAP releases. So basically, the, our goal is the same day that ONTAP releases an awesome new release with great features, that we have a unified manager ship the same day uh, with the corresponding features in it. Um, and while we also guarantee that previous releases of Unified Manager, that the previous release will continue to work correctly, um, it won't obviously provide visibility into some of the great new features in ONTAP. So we, we expect to be releasing a couple of times a year on an ongoing basis. And one of the conversations that we have with customers is, well, how often should I, the customer, upgrade, right? Because there's a, you know, there's a pain and cost involved with that as well. Yeah. And that's where we have ongoing conversations and we're actually, you know, sort of investing a lot in making sure that customers that want to upgrade every six months can do that and minimize the pain. So we're focusing on making sure that the various integration between the products, the APIs, et cetera, remain stable and so that things don't break when you, uh, you know, do these software upgrades. And on the other side, we also maintain a wide compatibility matrix so that customers that are looking to upgrade not as often will, you know, will basically be enabled to do that. Yeah, I think that's important. And the other, the other, quite honestly, and it's especially important for those that are running on the OVA, 
is, you know, we will be staying on top of security patches for these. So when you see uh, probably the most or one of the most frequent calls I get is around, hey, our security folks just hit us up with a new CVE that came out of CERT. Uh, what do we do and when are you patching it and all? So, you know, we obviously recognize that for the OVAs where we control everything, you know, we have to stay on top of those. Um, but for the customers who are on the Windows platform or the Linux platform, they have the ability to step up to those fixed versions or those patched versions um, at a time of their own choosing. Now, if only we could get customers to upgrade as frequently as we put the software out, everything would be just just super. We're getting there, man. That's that's. That's a, that's that's part of the that's the other side of this learning curve of of this, mm -hmm. the, the evolution that we were discussing a moment ago about how deployments patterns are, are changing. You know, it's it's we, yeah. we were talking about it uh, two three episodes ago, but that's part of the other side. The customers demanding more from the vendors. Yes, that's the part that that as a vendor we see most often. But the other side is coming, which is organizations that are building that muscle memory and becoming more comfortable with deployments. The IT industry used to just be like this giant thing that was patterns and practices around avoiding change and offloading risk. And in a lot of ways, that's not the business we're in anymore. Now we're in the business of innovation and solving problems. And those are two completely different ends of the spectrum. And there's just a lot of people who are on that on that, that seahaw and they're not mm -hmm. quite comfortable with where they're sitting right now, right? So we're all kind of, we're balancing it back out and finding a new equilibrium, I think. Absolutely. And we're seeing that change, and hopefully what people are seeing is that we're adapting to that change. At least with OCUM we are. There's some other teams we can get in here and yell at some more, but you guys are doing great. <laughs> There's a feature that we've uh, added, uh, I believe, a couple of releases ago, but probably hasn't gotten enough attention, and okay. that's the ability to customize and extend the events that, Oak, that Unified Manager can actually monitor and alert on. So... Basically, any event that's raised by ONTAP, uh, Unified Manager can capture that and do further processing and tracking of that in Unified Manager. So that's something where a customer would select specific events that are relevant for them and configure that extensibility in Unified Manager. I also heard rumors that we're allowing uh, people to configure the polling for performance. Is that true? Um, so we have flexibility to configure how often you actually go and collect the performance file from the store, from the cluster, um, and the like. It, it's a, that's actually been around for I believe a couple of releases in Unified Manager. Uh, so it's either five, uh, five, ten, or fifteen minutes. Uh, but the underlying result is basically the same. So. Uh, the cluster collects the performance counters on an ongoing basis anyway, and it's really how often do we go and grab the whole counter counter uh, zip file or archive and uh, and stream that into our database. And so some customers prefer to use for various reasons prefer to run that at a lower rate and potentially to you know have less load in their environment. The end result is really they get to see the same charts in the product, except that the data refreshes slower, right? So you really get into a, a sort of a new mental model, if you will, for performance counters. In the past, if you didn't grab a sample every five minutes, 
you didn't have a point on your graph. If you grabbed a sample every 15 minutes, you had a point, one point for 15 minutes. That's actually not the case with us. And actually, it goes even deeper. So if you lose network connectivity between the unified manager server and any of the clusters, and let's say you, you know, the network comes back up a couple of hours later, we'll actually go back, collect the full two hours of history, and stream that into our database. So within a few minutes after reestablishing a connection, all the historical performance data will be brought back into Unified Manager, and you'd be able to look at that and use that. So very, very powerful. It's actually so powerful that when you add a new cluster to Unified Manager, if the cluster is actually not brand new but has been around for a bit, it will actually, we will actually go and collect up to 15 days of performance history and populate that in the product. Yeah, right now it's what, every 10 minutes for polling as default? I believe the default now is every five minutes. Oh, it's for five now? Okay. Yeah. Yep, five minutes, and then we have the, the data within the five minutes. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I was, I was, I was playing with on-command performance manager for a lab I was designing, and I was trying to, like, incorporate it into real-time monitoring while I was trying to get my lab going, and it, it was like I'd have to wait 10 minutes before I got the performance data is like that people aren't going to want to wait there for a lab, right? So uh, it's good to know that we can have a little more control over that, though. Yes. That was a big improvement. And, and honestly, the one that, that Yossi talked about, I think, is somewhat understated. The, you know, the ability to grab uh, or to subscribe to EMS alerts off the, off the system and get basically near real-time alerting so you're not waiting for a polling interval. That is is huge, and that plays very well with the customers. Philip, Yossi, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about OnCommand Unified Manager's new release and the true unification of the product. Um, if you want to get in touch with Philip or Yossi, let's go around once more time and, and see where how you can get in touch with them. Uh, Philip? You can get uh, best to me um, through LinkedIn. Philip Bachman on LinkedIn. And Yossi. Uh, same for me. LinkedIn is uh, what I choose to, what I check every day. Uh, so it's Yossi Weiss at LinkedIn. W-E-I-H-S. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontechpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team and Yossi and Philip Bachman, thanks for listening. On Command Unified Manager, truly unified. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm just glad it's back on Windows. I got to be honest. <laughs> now I can use my Unified Manager and play Minesweeper at the same time. That is not what people do with Windows. That is what I do with Windows. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah. No, you're not allowed to have that opinion. (laughs) But Minesweeper! I'm just going to go around to all your accounts and tell them that you Oh, oh, Ned Pyle will be very angry at you. He will, but he doesn't know where I live. It'll be all right.